Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is a PR disruptor, author of Social PR Secrets, coach, creator, collaborator, podcaster. She's been named to named one of the top digital strategists and in her spare time founded a boutique agency, The Buyer Group, where she and her team work with clients on how to optimize, socialize, and publicize their online public relation campaigns. As she says in her LinkedIn bio, web one, been there, web 2.0, done that, web 3.0, she is on it. Always on point and typically ahead of the curve. She is a bright light that shines on female leader advocacy as the founder of Female Disruptors Disruptors Movement and has her own NFT. But we're not going to talk about that and all the shit that hits the fan over the last couple of months with Rally and their changes. But in any case, she um, and her team at Female Disruptors spotlight women who are disruptors in their space because just like our guest, they know their flow, they know they are the flow, they share the flow, they keep going, and they don't look back. She's inspiring she provides education, advocacy, and quite frankly, I am so excited to have her share her passion, vision, focus, and determination. Welcome, Lisa Beyer. Thank you so much, Kathy, for that very nice intro. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to share my journey. And it, yeah, it never goes in one straight path, right? Oh, so very rarely. And you know what? Life would be kind of boring if it was a straight, ahead, straight and narrow, right? So it's nice to have those straightaways every once in a while to catch our breath. This has not been a year of straight and narrow. Um, it has been very much a zigzaggy and left turn and right curves and, and whatnot. So I gave our audience a bit of the highlights, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, what you do and what you've got on the go? Sure. So for the most uh, most of my professional years, I have been um, an agency owner in public relations. And having um, started out kind of by accident, attracting tech clients um, back in the, before the dot-com boom and then bust, working with tech clients, you have to be ahead of the curve. So um, it was through innovation that I would work with these clients and I had to kind of like, you know, the traditional PR path would be, you know, pitching a journalist, being the gatekeeper, trying to get editorial coverage. But during the dot-com boom, which was um, an awesome experience, everything was accelerated. Everybody was trying to get funding and go public or um, raise money. So I had to learn very quickly how to um, kind of hack my way in a digital way through the PR process and create new ways of doing things using digital, using the internet, using search engines like Google to reach your reach audiences, whether it be stakeholders, investors, prospects, or your current audience. So that's kind of how I got started on this innovation tech um, road to, in, in public relations. So I was a very early adopter of SEO and social media into the PR strategy. And at the time, I thought there was a huge sense of urgency for me to learn all this and integrate it into the PR strategy. I thought every other PR professional would also be thinking the same way. And I mean, ironically, here we are, let's say 10, 15 years into it, uh, you know, most PR professionals still do things very traditionally and don't leverage these amazing opportunities to um, reach audiences in different ways besides the journalists. And I'm not by any 
any means saying we should replace the journalists because the journalists definitely have their place. But there's very, there's very innovative and unique ways that you could reach your audiences organically using social, using SEO, and now using Web3 and some in the technologies that go along with Web3, which I've been exploring that you know, probably for the past five years, looking at how we can leverage virtual reality, how we can leverage artificial intelligence and augmented reality and geo filters and and, um, digital wearables and and all of these things that, you know, at first started out as a novelty with, let's say, Snapchat. And now they're integrating into our everyday lives, whether it be through different metaverse experiences or through different, you know, Web3 experiences and 3D, taking things into 3D, doing things, you know, with crypto or creator coins, like, you know, that's how we originally met. So, you know, my path has been, you know, this very, I'm going to just call it a very disruptive path in public relations where I've just, you know, kind of reinvented ways to do PR using tech to my advantage and also to my client's advantage and teaching them how to do it. So, you know, when you're, when you're an early adapter and you're ahead of the curve, there's a lot of education involved, which, you know, that's why instead of saying the same thing over and over again, I decided to write a book on how to do it called social PR secrets. That's now in its fourth edition um, I teach workshops, I speak at different um, internet, internet marketing events and at different um, for different companies and in-house also teaching companies and brands, small and large, how to combine these different technologies to get the most out of public relations and digital marketing. That is just phenomenal. And, and having a, a wee bit of history myself in the public relations uh, world, I, I did some for IBM for a stint. I actually have a, a, a postgraduate or a graduate degree in public relations only to get to the end of my degree and go, yeah, that's not for me. Um, so, uh, you know, you talk about some of the, the traditional ways, which are still the means in which our, uh, people are doing things. But the, the shocking thing is that people just aren't leveraging the innovation and the new channels and sort of still leading back as a force to leading in to, to their, their ways of, of yesteryear, because it really is at this point. So I want to dig more into that. But as my audience knows, I always ask my guests four core questions to kick us off. So if you're ready, we'll get into those. Yes, ready. So what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? So that was a great question. And I, the earliest that I can remember was actually when I was in junior high or high school. And it was, um, I was, I joined the the school newspaper and the yearbook staff. And so I just loved being part of um, the yearbook staff and journalism. So I just thought, you know, how can I extend this into, you know, my, my career? I knew that I didn't necessarily love retail and I didn't like working in a restaurant and I knew, I knew things right away that I didn't want to do. And I was also always gravitated, gravitated towards something, you know, in some way, shape or form to be an artist. So pretty much, I mean, you you stayed the path. I mean, journalism, PR, very closely related, sort of one different sides of a, a similar coin. So it's I always love hearing when somebody's actually pursued their original passion. Uh, yes, because yes. I certainly <laughs> that's certainly yeah. not my journey. But but that's great. Was there um, somebody that influenced you or into that that career path, or who was the big influencer? First big influencer you remember in your life? Yeah, so I would say. The earliest would be my yearbook teacher. Her name was Miss Ryan, and she was um, she was um, you know single and recently divorced, and she was just like very cool and with it, and like you know really kind of like 
was part of our part of the class. Like we would skip our other classes to go hang out in yearbook and and kind of learn from her real life experiences um, and and plus the experience in yearbook. So she was probably my earliest. And then, you know, I had some influence influences in in college. But I would say my in my professional year, like the 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 two the few biggest were um, early early and right when I graduated college, it was Anthony Robbins. I was very into personal development and, and learning from Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra and Susie Orman. Um, that was kind of like the pre digital days of, you know, when you would kind of like order Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins, like video cassettes and listen to them. It was very funny. Um, and same with Susie Orman. I read all of her books and she was very inspirational and, you know, you know, having control over my own, my own destiny financially and not having to rely on, on men to be part of it and being independent. And then one of my first um, influences was uh, her name is Charlene Lee. And I remember going to my first, one of my first tech conferences and it was my aha moment of how search engine optimization and search engines could influence uh, public relations and how, you know, the content that PR professionals that we were putting out was going to show up in search and how we could, you know, actually control this. And Charlene Lee was one of the keynote speakers. Mm -hmm. And this is a very male dominated, you know, industry. So she stood out to me that she was a female keynote speaker. And, you know, now she's she at the time was famous um, analyst when it comes to tech. And she's written several New York best selling um New York Times bestselling books, including the most recent is The Disruption Mindset. Um, so I've I've been following her and she was actually a guest on my podcast and a guest speaker for one of my events. So it's come full circle that I saw her and she was like one of my first, oh my God, here's this woman that is, you know, really disrupting. And then to actually meet her and do interviews with her has been very rewarding. Yeah, she is phenomenal. Certainly somebody that I have looked to as well in my career to to follow as a as an inspiration and and someone who garners the respect and influence that not many women in our industry do quite frankly so uh yeah that's i definitely side with that as a as an influencer from a song perspective is there a song that's resonated with you through your career that maybe represents your career yeah so the song that comes to mind is madonna express yourself so I just feel like that is um, a very inspirational song to, you know, for everybody that is, you know, making sure that you're actually able to be authentic and express yourself in your personal and professional life is important. And that's been important to me. And I think that's why I gravitated to being an entrepreneur and and having my own company, even though it really wasn't, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to start my own company. You know, back when I started my agency, I really just started out freelancing. And I really, freelancing was also such a new term that I was just doing work on the side while I had a professional job. It, it really wasn't a thing to say you're a freelancer at all. Um, but I just ended up, you know, working with this other woman that was a commercial graphic artist. And I was, you know, more on the writing marketing side. And we would refer work back and forth from each other that eventually I was able to quit my full-time professional job and just do that full-time. And I still wasn't actually saying the word, am I actually, a, a, like the word entrepreneur didn't really exist at that time. Like people weren't calling themselves that. So this express yourself, you know, song by Madonna, I just feel like, you know, it, it, it encourages you to continue to evolve, even if you don't know exactly, you know, where you're going to end up, but doing what you love and following your passion and expressing yourself along the way. 
I love how you put that about continuing to evolve, even if you don't know the destination and being authentic. So following your own path, would that path have a name if you, if, if your career was a street name, is there something that comes to mind from that perspective? Uh, yes, I think it would have to be called disruptive lane. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because it seems like that's, I've been doing a lot of that, um, in my professional life and, and also in some ways my personal life, but you know, disruption doesn't mean destruction, disrupt, disruption is a good thing. And, you know, to really lead and be innovative, you can't be afraid to, to think outside the box and to, you know, break glass ceilings or digital ceilings, however you want to look at it and, you know, raise your hand at the boardroom, even though it might be scary. So you talk about breaking the glass ceilings, and I, I definitely want to circle back to the, the, you know, you've had some, some very strong female influencers. I mean, Susie Orman, um, for those of you who are under 40, go and look her up. She's phenomenal. She's a firecracker and, you know, instigator, I would say, and certainly Charlene Lee. Is that, you know, tell me more about your female disruptors. You've got an event coming up in January, which I'm look, so looking forward to. I've signed up for it. So how did you come up with that idea? Because again, you know, it, it is a bit of a departure from the PR thing. Um, and yeah. it, it you really, you know, it is about moving forward and you're, you're, you're taking all of us with you. So it, it, it is and it isn't a departure because the way that it came about um, and actually this, I'm going to tie in Susie Orman with this too. The way that it came about was during the Me Too movement. And before the Me Too movement, I had owned it, you know, been an entrepreneur for, let's say, 15 years. And I felt like I controlled my destiny. I didn't feel like I was impacted by some of the discrimination, a lot of the discrimination that was happening in, in the more more corporate world. But when the Me Too movement happened, it brought to my attention things that maybe I had been deflecting, things that I didn't really realize that were happening. And around that time, I started getting more female entrepreneur clients or representing females um, from a PR perspective. And keep in mind, to, to this point, I had mostly been working with you know a male-dominated industry where I was you know representing men to get them their story, to get them their thought leadership quote in the media. So when I started getting the female clients, started pitching them to the media. One of the things I noticed was that these female clients had unbelievable track records. They were brilliant, but it was harder to, the, to get them the, the story, to get them the interview than maybe male counterparts that didn't have the track record. But just because they were men, they, con they were considered more authoritative. So I, that was like, I, I just got really upset when that was happening. And the advice I would give my clients before this in general was, you know, don't rely on the journalist, always think of innovative ways, create your own blog, publication, newsletter, podcast, where you own the content and the, nar the narrative. And so I'm like, okay, Lisa, you just take your own advice, create your own publication that you can give your female entrepreneurs their first feature story, and you can give them what you think they deserve from an editorial perspective. So I just it just came to me, the name Female Disruptors, when I was in a yoga class one day. And I went to my car, went to GoDaddy, looked it up, and the domain was available. So I bought it, and I turned it into a publication. And I, all of my female clients from that point forward, that would be their first feature story. That would give them social proof. It was very editorialized, and it wasn't a commercial for them. It was their story, their narrative, their journey, 
questions that you would see like in Vogue or the New York Times or, you know, uh, you know, very professional type of questions, but their brand story. And that helped them then get their next interview because they had that social proof that helped them with their Google search results that helped them give, get, you know, get authority and positive um, recognition. And that kind of turned into, I had other females coming to me saying, oh, you know, can you, can I be interviewed? And then I would see somebody on the news and, you know, I would be like, oh, I just saw Kathy on the news and I want to interview her because she's disrupting and this, this, and this. And so I would reach out. So it, there was no monetization. It was just a passion project that was happening simultaneous to my PR agency. And that's how it started. And that was in 2019. And by 2021, I had probably interviewed maybe 40 or 50 different women. And if you would Google any of them, their names, their their interview would come up. So it was definitely working for them. Um, having the best year of my agency career, um, I, I was not hurt by the pandemic. Fortunately, my clients were not in any of the industries that were crippled. So all of my clients like thrived and I attracted more, but I was... I got to a point where I was very burned out. Clients were becoming toxic. My my team was becoming unreliable. Talent was becoming a little bit like, you know, going sideways. And my daughter was going through some mental health issues. She had just graduated high school during the pandemic. Um, and I just, something inside me just said, Lisa, just take a step back. I gave everybody 30 days notice. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I just knew that I just, my, my daughter could not be replaced. So... I did that. And with that, I thought, how can I, how can I continue what I'm doing without it being so exhausting from the PR standpoint where I have to deal with educating clients and educating my team? And how can I also possibly take female disruptors to the next level and also be available 24 seven for my daughter to get her through this? And so that took the direction of me planning the virtual summit and I invited each one of my um, each one of the women I had interviewed up to that point to be a speaker. And um, it was something that, you know, I, I, I wasn't having to do, you know, eight hours a day. Um, and also I was able to take what I had been preaching to my clients on a one-to-one basis and turn it into a digital course. So I just thought, let me just do these two things and see which direction it goes into. And with sticks and female disruptors ended up being very successful. It's first event that happened last January, 2022. And now I'm planning the next one for January, 2023. Um, And I still created my digital courses. Anyone that's part of my female disruptors community gets preferential pricing, it's deeply discounted. Um, And you can buy the, buy the, all my digital products on my website, um, you know, at their regular prices. And just circling back to the Susie Orman tie-in. So Susie Orman I completely forgot about her name for the past 15 years. Like it just like I've been so busy. Like I she was off my radar and she was off my radar because she retired and she came out of retirement because of the Me Too movement. She came out of retirement to specifically help women and money. And she created the Women and Money podcast, which she does twice a week. And I just rediscovered her like maybe eight months ago. And I just learned that story that she also, you know, the Me Too movement shook her enough to bring her out of retirement and help women gain, you know, financial, financially independent, healthy, educated lives without having to depend on, you know, not just their husbands or husbands or whatever, but also depend on bad financial advice from 
financial advisors that only make money that, that make money, whether you make money or not, you know? So I just had to tie that in because I'm like so happy to be reconnected with her through her podcast, Women and Money. And I think everybody listening to this, including men, should listen to her podcast. She is brilliant. I could not agree with you more. She, I, when she came back into the fold, so again, knew that she had retired and, you know, you kind of forget about that kind of thing. But when I heard that she had a podcast, uh, I don't, I'm not. I guess this isn't so great. I'm not always one right on top of the new podcast and what's happening. You sort of have your own, your favorites and whatnot, but hers from the very first one I was in on, uh, could not agree with you more that she has been espousing, uh, female empowerment and leadership and independence and not in a woe is me, you know, I'm always being put down. It's like you own it, you take control and you move forward and giving people the tools, not just talking, but giving them the tools uh, to leverage. And I agree with you, men, women, doesn't matter. Uh, her advice is, is timeless. So, you know, I, I appreciate so much the, the honesty with sharing, you know, that was a major pivot for you to, to take stock in where you were and, and what was going on in, in your life. And, and clearly, you, you know, you knew what was important and, and made the decision to, to step away and, and, and from your agency that you'd spent, you know, 15 years building, which is really, really, you know, that's a very difficult thing to do. Was there, was there something um, before that, 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 got you because obviously you've been very focused on um awareness of of reputation and brand and audience and the tying of the together was there something that happened early in your career that really cemented that for you you mentioned that you were interested in journalism from an, a fairly early age in junior high high school kind of thing but you know going from journalism to pr isn't necessarily a natural segue was there something that really clicked for you that 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 happened or that you, you realized that got you into the PR thing to begin with? Um, you know, when I was in college, I'm just going to be like very honest. You know, I, I, I knew that the College of Journalism itself was where I wanted to be. And I chose public relations as the track because I knew I didn't want to be a hardcore journalist. Um, and, you know, be, I don't know, I just didn't want to be reporting on sad stories or upsetting stories. And I am very positive. I try to be as positive as possible. So I just like the positive side of the, you know, possibly public relations. So there's crisis communications, but I, that wasn't my thing. So I just really wanted to um, be focused on helping, you know, whether, you know, now it's more female focused, but shining the spotlight on positivity and what brands, personal brands and, um, business brands are doing that the public might not realize. And so, you know, there's there's a fine fine balance between that because you want to stay, you know, newsworthy, but also you want to be able to, you know, show the, you know, the authentic side of what what's happening at a business. So that's, I think, really what attracted me to it. But to be totally honest, like I really didn't even understand what PR was until after I graduated. I didn't understand it at all. I did not really, you know, you, until you start working in PR, I even had to do a gatekeeper interview where I went and interviewed a journalist at the Miami Herald to find out like what he thought of a publicist. And I still, it's just like, you have to just do it. Like I, I you know, learning academia um, in school is, I think, 
not the best education. Like you just have to learn by doing. So fortunately, when I did get it, my first position, and actually I just did an interview talking about this with um, my first first position uh, professionally in PR was with a small agency. I was her first employee, and by being you know one employee within an agency, you're you're able to get experience writing, pitching you know, what it's like to run a business, what it's like to do new business proposals and and go on client meetings. Like I was so fortunate to be able to do all of these different things that I really was able to get a sense for, okay, I like this part of it. I like that part of it. I don't like this part of it, but I always was attracted to um, the visual side of storytelling. Um, And I think that's like kind of the artist in me that, that comes out. Um. So, yeah, so that kind of evolved into like the innovation and and how to take PR to the next level. And even before we got into like super digital internet savvy type of PR, my partner and I were always, um, because she was an artist, she was, um, you know, I was always kind of like had my hands in that creativity and, and doing things that weren't just in the in the lane of just PR. So doing newsletters that were more like a magazine to reach their audience and, 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 and doing, and, you know, working on, you know, maybe corporate identity as part of the PR program, which was at that time, super innovative. Um, You know, now it's more, you know, it's easier to, to, um, to do that. But at the time it it wasn't, it wasn't the norm. It's interesting that you gravitated towards someone who was maybe a little more leaning into the the artist side of things. So I would say what you do is very creative. Uh, to be able to be an effective publicist or, or public relations professional, you need to be creative because sometimes you are building stories around things that you see the potential for. And it sounds like you've done that a lot where, but there's nothing concrete necessarily to, to base it on, right? So you see the vision, you understand the potential and you create the story and the interest around that. And that is that takes an immense amount of creativity and vision and that you were able by partnering with the artist to maybe get a little more of that and, and drive you in that direction where versus a traditional PR firm, which is more about, you know, the five W's and, and that kind of thing. So in your role today, you've had a major pivot over the last couple of years while they're aligned in skill set, the focus is very different and I guess the goals and the drive are probably different as well. And, and I just, I love the story of, of how it came to be. What is your, what does your current day look like? How is it different from the previous 15 years uh, with the, with the original agency? Yeah. And in some ways it really is just a breath of fresh, fresh air. I don't miss working with clients and I don't miss having to deal with multiple um, team members, um, you know, I was also a very early adapter of working remote. So I was way before working remote was a thing. I was fine. I would rather hire talent for the talent and no matter where they were located versus hiring somebody locally that could come into the office every day. So I always had that mindset and I always was, you know, for the most part, you know, fine with juggling different locations and remote work. Um, But uh, one of the things that I, I just wanted to point out that I think is is women have a harder time than this than men is the the whole concept of detachment. And just because you've been doing something a certain amount of time a certain way doesn't mean you always have to do it. And just because you you know 
you can apply it to personal things too. Just because you've been friends with somebody since high school doesn't mean you always have to have that same friendship level. There's seasons and chapters to everything. And that's one of the things that I've been realizing over the past two years is that it was okay that I walked away from that chapter of my professional career to start this new chapter. So not dealing with clients, not dealing with multiple team members, not having to deal with payroll per se, but I have different issues or, you know, different, different things that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, I'm, I'm able to have more of a hands-on the creative side of what female disruptors I'm working on one brand versus, you know, multiple clients, brands, and, you know, that whole thing, jumping from like one, one type of audience or industry to another, you know, multiple times a day. So my main focus is on female disruptors and the buyer group, my agency, you know, I'm now calling it a media company, educational company. So the buyer group is the umbrella company on top of um, female disruptors. And I still speak at events and hold workshops and um, do audits on public relations and, and, you know, looking at how, you know, small businesses and large businesses are integrating their PR efforts. So that part still exists. I just don't have the, the, the client side of things. It's just more of speaking engagements, workshops, and focusing on growing female disruptors into more than just a magazine, into a movement, into a, a community that women from all over the globe can learn from each other. It's a safe space. Um, and then there's multiple verticals that are involved. It's not just Web3, even though Web3 is one part of it. Entrepreneurship, um, marketing and PR, mental health and wellness, um, and self-leadership and entrepreneurship, just, just to name you know some of the verticals. So it's a lot. Um, and I'm, you know, bootstrapped and I'm, it's primarily just me and a couple of, um, you know, I have an, a virtual assistant that helps me. And then I have, depending on what I need, you know, different, different talent that I work with. Um, but it's, it's more rewarding than when I was working, you know, hundred percent, mostly on PR, um, with different clients. I feel it's more rewarding, but it's also because I'm so passionate about it. It also can be more emotional. So I'm having to work on that emotion side of it. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so I, I, I feel like I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. If you weren't in the PR space, if you weren't doing what you do today, what would you be doing? Yeah. So that right now, what I would be doing is, and I already have an outline for this. I just can only do so much is I would be focused on mentoring young adults on how to transition through this, um, you know, unprecedented time of not just the pandemic, but also, you know, before the pandemic, I was very focused on digital wellness and the impact that social media and digital was having on our mental health as adults and also young adults. So I feel like, you know, my daughter, who's now 20, um, to my oldest, who's 28, um, the 20, you know, a 25 and, and over, you know, they, they are kind of like, I would say more out of the woods than I would say 18 to, to 23, 24 year olds, but I would help them um, personally and professionally, um, mentoring and coaching them through this transition and helping them, um, you know, from a productivity standpoint, mental health standpoint, more of a coaching standpoint, that's what I would do. I love that idea. Uh, when you are ready to get that off the ground, please give me a call because I am a hundred percent in on that. 
Uh, Lisa, thank you so much. This has been such an inspiring conversation. Your your honesty and and sharing the path that you've been on and it's been a bumpy road for the last couple of years uh, is is truly inspirational. I've mentioned, and you can mention it again, you've got the event coming up in January, but where else can our listeners uh, find you? So anybody who wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, please do send me a DM. Um, I try to look at all the messages that I get. Um, also Instagram, you can follow Female Disruptors on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and also Instagram and keep up with our updates. And we try to provide, you know, quality content, you know, a good mix of quality educational content, um, as well as the promotional content to push our audience, you know, to take take the next step towards some of our events and collaborations. Excellent. And last piece of advice for ed- on career life success that you'd like to share? If you're handed it, handle it. Oh, that is good. <laughs> I like that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Lisa, thank you so much for today's conversation. To my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lisa and hearing about how you can take something that you've grown and move on to the next, next chapter, and that's okay. Um, change is good. Change happens. And it's about following your path, even when you don't know where that path is leading you. As always, uh, if you want to hear more stories from amazing women, you can turn into or check into our, our website, unchartedjourneys.net. Um, listen to the obviously other uh, episodes that I have. Check out the show notes on where you can connect with Lisa. And um, of course, thank you for listening and see you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Yeah.